talking about? You're the one who believes in all the angels. What does that have to do with Mia? Gran asked. If they're gone now, but still here like you believe, what if they want her to join them? What if she wants to join them? It doesn't work like that, Gran snapped. Oh, was all Gramps said. The inquiry was over. After they left, I was thinking that one day, maybe I'll tell Gran that I never much bought into her theory that birds and such could be people's guardian angels. And now I'm more sure than ever that there's no such thing. My parents aren't here. They're not holding my hand or cheering me on. I know them well enough to know that if they could, they would. Maybe not both of them. Maybe mom would stay with Teddy while dad watched over me, but neither of them is here. And it's while contemplating this that I think about what the nurse said. She's running the show. And suddenly I understand what Gramps was really asking Gran. He had listened to that nurse too. He got it before I did. If I live, if I stay, it's up to me. All this business about medically induced comas is just doctor talk. It's not up to the doctors. It's not up to the absentee angels. It's not even up to God, who, if he exists, is nowhere around right now. It's up to me. How am I supposed to decide this? How can I possibly stay without mom or dad? How can I leave without Teddy or Adam? This is too much. I don't even understand how it all works, why I'm here in the state that I'm in, or how to get out of it if I wanted to. If I were to, stay, if I were to say, I want to wake up, would I wake up right now? I already tried snapping my heels to find Teddy and trying to be myself to Hawaii, and that didn't work. This seems a whole lot more complicated. But in spite of that, I believe it's true. I hear the nurse's words again. I am running the show. Everyone is waiting on me. I decide. I know this now. And this terrifies me more than anything else that's happened today. Where the hell is Adam? I got a few chills during that, I got to say. So um, thank you so much, Gail. So sitting right next to Gail is Cynthia Katohara. To say that Cynthia is award-winning would be a vast understatement. She's the mega-talented author of several critically acclaimed novels and has had her short stories published in both Plowshares and The New Yorker, a feat we mere mortals can only dream about. (laughs) And as if that weren't enough to make us green with envy, her book Kira Kira won the Newbery Award. Cynthia is a self-described road hog. She says she loves to travel around this amazing country, the beautiful landscape, the highways. She loves it all. Traveling, seeing the country is one of the things from which she derives her writing energy. When you ask Cynthia what her passions are, she'll say, books, dark chocolate, and dogs. Lucky for us, she clearly has a passion for writing as well. Her latest novel, A Million Shades of Grey, deals with incredibly gut-wrenching material, but with such a light touch that when I read it, I was awestruck. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank so, you. Cynthia, oh, yeah, do the 25-word thing and okay, um, read us a couple of minutes. First, I have to say, which has nothing to do with anything, um, you mentioned that Gail has gone to Kazakhstan, and that's where I adopted my son in 2004. Oh, You're the only person I've ever met who went to Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my book is about a young Montagnard boy. 
Um, the Montagnards are indigenous to the former South Vietnam, and they worked very closely with the South Vietnam, with the Americans during the war. And we abandoned them after the war, and they came to a sorry end, or a lot of them did, um, because we abandoned them. Um, so this, well, okay, I'll just read a section. Um, the main character's name is E. Tin. He lay still, unsure whether the soldiers wanted to him to stay here or to get up. As rain started to spray down on him, he lay in the mud, unmoving, promising the spirits that if he got out of this alive, he would sacrifice a buffalo. But if there were spirits in the village, they were not smiling on Etin. Stand up, stand up. Etin obeyed instantly, jumping to his feet. The soldiers herded the men toward one of the smaller longhouses. The hard rain grew harder, and Etin doubted that even their captors were having a good time. Everybody was miserable.